Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> The opinions on Scoop Squad Truth Squad are those of the hosts and the guests and not those of WVRC Media. Copyright 2023. Hey everybody, Sarah with the Scoop Squad. I'm going to be your moderator tonight. And Ashley is my co-pilot. She's my wing girl, like she always is. Uh, And we have Ron in the studio, and I'm going to give it over to Ron to talk about our advertisers for a little bit. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm on the business side of things, kind of the executive producer. I don't just stand here to look good on the radio. But you do. Because it's radio. (laughs) Anyway, our our wonderful sponsors include T-Graphics, uh, professional choice for screen printing, embroidery, and advertising specialties in West Virginia since 1984. They're on the west side uh, on Buchanan Street. Also, Quinn Computers, uh, Quinn Technology in Spring Hill. They are excellent at uh, commercial and residential computer repair as well as uh, networking. And also by Eggplant yes, on Bridge Road, mm-hmm. where a lot of ladies like to shop for... Fancy stuff around the house, good quality stuff, and uh, we have room for your business to be an underwriter. We reach thousands of people every week, uh, upwards of 7,000 downloads every month. Uh, Of course, we also provide advertising on our Facebook pages as well. So reach out to us at the uh, Scoop Squad, hashtag Scoop Squad WV, hashtag the only Charleston WV podcast that matters. And you can reach me at 304-395-1111. Back to you, Sarah. Well, thank you, Ron. Tonight, uh, we're, we've, got a, we've got a full house. Mm-hmm. I must say, we've got a full house. We have people sitting on the floor. We, have, we do. I love it. I love it. We need to do this more often. Uh, we, we're JB Squared tonight. We have one of the original Scoop, scoop Squatters. Scoopers. The Scoopers. JB Acres. How's it going? Uh, and we have, <laughs> we have, uh, I would say West Virginia's next governor, JB McCuskey and his wingman, Tristan Watrick. Skyler. Skyler. Why do I call him Tristan? Because your other guest, your other that guest is, Tristan. is Tristan. You left the cat out of the yeah. bag. I did. Oh, Tristan I'm later. sorry, Skyler. We have Skyler Watrick over here. <laughs> I hope your mother won't mind that I called you Tristan. By the way, I was expecting you guys to get out of a smoke-filled van when I got here. I was, <laughs> I was slightly disappointed that this was I not. I kind of love it that we have that reputation. Hey, so. the yeah. Scoop Squad. I we're going to pull the we're going to pull the mask off of JB Acres, and he's going to end up just being JB Acres. You mean like the, you mean like the van from Fast Times at Ridgemont Ohio? What kind of van are you talking? I about? I was talking about the van from Scooby Doo. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we do sure. with our little yeah. magnifying glass, wow. unmasking everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Was there was there a uh, was there a scoop angle to the fast times? I, all I I don't remember that no, part but of Jeff that Jeff Spicoli rolled out of a van in that movie That's at one point. True. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if you know, as long as we're associated with the van, I don't That's care right. what what van it is. I know, but it's so cool to what is it the the mystery mobile? Mm-hmm. I think that is pretty cool. It's, you know, you know can't, can I be Velma? Well, oh. was it? It was also the brains of that whole organization was the two women too. Right, they were. 
That's what we got. Get into it. All right. So but before you talk about that stuff, yeah. does, does JB McCuskey want to talk about eggplants some more? Maybe I'm oh, not sure true. if he's that's interested in that. Oh, well, JB wouldn't talk about eggplant. He we love actually, eggplant too. He would talk about geranium. <laughs> that's right. Because his yeah. wife owns geranium. I was going to make that transition to the other stores. I love that neighbors. though. Yeah. Classy ladies need stuff for their house and their <laughs> and themselves. That so. is so true. And, um, <laughs> we're going to have to talk to her that's about right. sponsoring this shady, smoky van. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Anybody's She's invited. a scooper. I want to make sure all the stores up there got some time. I so, love that. Yeah, yeah and, and women need to support women. Rising tide raises of, all ships. There's a lot of women up on Bridge Road that are right. really, I mean, successful. Charlie, Ulala, yeah. Lucy, Yarids, yeah. Geraniums, um, right. the Wheelhouse. Yeah. You name it. Those are all women-owned stores. Businesses. And the better they do, the better we all do. That's well, right. And exactly. now they've got I a chef that. up there who's a James Beard uh, finalist, which is awesome. That's right. Paul and Smith. Would it say that again? Paul Smith is a James Beard finalist. Oh, that's which right. is a Ten-ten. really, really, really big yeah. deal. Right. He's a great That's guy. a big deal. He was my soccer coach. No way. Yeah. What is it with that? We were just talking about soccer. Paul was probably the best high school soccer player I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Where did he play soccer? Virginia Tech. Well, wow. I didn't know that. See, I love doing this podcast because I learn new stuff. I don't think he played all four years, but he played um, in high school for, he would have had to play for GW, right? I assume, yeah. I think he did. He might have either went to Catholic or GW, wow. but he was outrageous. I mean, wow. just well, so good. Well, that's interesting. Hey, let's talk about your job. Let's do it. Because you are the auditor, the state, state auditor, auditor, right? So we, we actually just wanted to bring you on here. We have some questions for you. Is that okay? Hey, that's what I do. All right, let's dive in. All right. So I've got a, a few a few questions for you. Sure. Can you explain? Can you explain what your yeah? What, what your do job, you do, what, what JB? Yeah. So as in fear of putting all of your listeners to sleep, let me see if I can do this quickly. So okay. the state auditor's office in West Virginia has five main parts. Uh, we're the largest and, and the most diverse state auditor's office in the country, and I think we're the largest constitutional office in the state as well. Um, but the five main things we do, one, the audit function that we do for the state is that we audit payments. So it's our job to make sure that every invoice that's, that is submitted, so if an, in, if an agency is buying a car, right, we have to check the contract to make sure that there's an appropriation, the contract's legal, and that the expense is allowable by law. So we have to do twenty five to 35,000 of those a week. So the state buys a lot of stuff. So we have people who are constantly pushing to make sure that our documents are getting through, that contractors are getting paid, you name it. But it all has to be legal, right? Second thing is we are what's called the state's land commissioner. So I'm in charge of selling all the tax delinquent property in the state. So anybody, if you don't pay your property taxes, my office auctions that property and eventually markets it if uh, it isn't bought or sold. And we live in Charleston. There's an enormous influx and stock of dilapidated buildings here. Um, over the last two years, we've created a program that uh, not only funds demolition, but also gets property into the hands of local governments so that they, the properties can be demolished. Uh, we actually almost lost a firefighter just last week, a mm-hmm. good friend of mine named John Hastings, who's uh, just an awesome fireman and, and a good guy. And, and he had to run into a fire that a vagrant set in a, in a dilapidated building, right? And that's the reason why we have this program. So we're also what's called the Securities Commissioner. So the Securities and Exchange Commission, everybody's heard of, you know, Bernie Madoff, we are in charge of enforcing the state securities laws and enforcing the federal securities laws as they relate to states. So we license and regulate all the stockbrokers and anybody who's engaged um, in secure transactions in West Virginia. Um, we are, I am the chairman of what's called the OASIS board. So I'm in charge of all of the state's financial accounting system. So I'm in charge of managing a $250 million computer backbone that links all of the state's um, agencies together and make sure that we have, we know how much money we have, we know where all the money's coming in, um, and that we understand um, how the money's going back out. And then lastly, and I believe what we're probably speaking about this evening is I'm what's called the the chief inspector for the state of West Virginia. And so that makes me uh, essentially the person who manages all of the local governments. So all 55 counties, all 55 school boards, all 264 cities, um, Every single volunteer fire department, I think there's 640 of those, all the library boards, all the PSDs, all the economic development corporations, we have to manage their budgets, approve their budgets, approve their budget revisions, and audit all of them. JB, how many people do you have on staff? We have uh, 164. We started, and they're all over the state. Okay. Um, We have an office in Kanawha City. We have an office downtown. Mm -hmm. We have an office in the Capitol. uh, We have an office in Clarksburg. And then we have a myriad of field auditors who work uh, at their house. And when, when I started, we had about 215. Yeah. Yep. 
My next question is this, and, and JB Akers and, and us uh, as scoopers have asked mm-hmm. uh, a lot of questions about this, and I know that you can't really uh, give us a lot of information, but I'm going to put this out there for you. Um, this past spring, Scuttle and Stallnaker was paid by the city to do a citywide audit. Yep. And the report came back. City with of Charleston, just so everybody knows. City, 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 city of Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. yeah, City of Charleston. Uh, the report came back with scathing recommendations. Um, mayor, the mayor has a discretionary fund that is not, uh, I don't know. How do I even explain that? Well, I, I think that uh, the question was, is the discretion, discretionary fund, um, no, you have a, you have an online system where um, it's called, is it called checkbook? WV Checkbook, yes. Okay, where and what actually goes on WV Checkbook in a city government? Whatever they want to put up. Okay, so it's up to their discretion. So, yes, and the answer to the the reason for that is that I actually believe in local control, and so that you're always three years and three hundred and sixty four days away from an election, right? And if what you don't like, it, it, the state government shouldn't be micromanaging cities. Cities are a great place for experiments to happen, and they're a great place for good government to be tested and tried. And so when we created the checkbook, we asked every city in the, in the, in the state to put all their finances online. You know, one of the things that we did is we put all the state finances online, too. So we, we are, um, in fear of sounding too self-aggrandizing, we are the most transparent state in the entire country. You have more access to your financial data as it relates to the government in West Virginia than any other place in America, which we are super proud about. Yeah. And so we bought every single city uh, an access point to have their own OpenGov site. And, and we have been, and that's Skyler here with me, he's the director of that program. And to their credit, I think we have 44 counties on now, and we have, I think, 75 cities who have signed up and maybe 40 online. Yeah, we have, we have about uh, 42 counties in the process and then a couple more that are signing on, and then we have about 50 cities that have agreed to join that's live and not live. Uh, and then we also have uh, about 20 more of those, like he said, that are in, the, okay. in various stages of being. Uh, and right. the reason I mention that mm-hmm. is that for me, having 200 willing participants mm-hmm. is a lot better than having 264 forced participants. Sure. And so when, when, we, when we implement programs like this, we offer it to our local governments and say, this, we've, we've paid for this. Mm-hmm. We think this is great for your constituents. This is going to make the audit process faster. This is going to make you more accountable. It's going to make you more transparent. And it's going to make you better at your job. Right. Right. These sites, one of their great, the, one of the things that our local governments that really embrace these things love about them is every council member, every, every county commissioner, they all get their own access point that they can build. And so they then can see what's happening in their own financial system. I built one of these for myself in the auditor's office. But if you're a council person who is really, really concerned about trash pickup or potholes or police overtime, or you name the topic, it doesn't matter, we can build that report to you so it's shown live to you bef- at, at any point you want. You're not beholden to the city treasurer to get your, your information. And right. our county commissioners and mayors who use this, that's their favorite part is that they have the mayor's portal, and it has their own password, and they build it themselves, and they get in, and they can say, I want to know how much overtime we paid this week. I want to know how much we paid in gas. I want to know you know, how much our power bill was. You name what it is, that gives decision makers access to real data mm-hmm. at their own time. Right. Well, Shannon Snodgrass had sponsored a bill to implement this for the city, yep. uh, the city of Charleston, and the bill had said that all accounts had to be placed on the site for full transparency. So is this controversial uh, discretionary fund that the city auditors is not happy about, uh, is that on the site? Can people actually see what she's using this discretionary fund for? I will be completely honest with you. I haven't looked at the Charleston site, but my guess is is that it is not. Um, it, it, it would, it, I have heard that it is not. And that is, again, up to the city's discretion, right? They are they have the ability to put whatever funds they think the public should see online. I just wonder why you wouldn't. Right, especially if it called to. for everything to be on there. Right. So if it's not on there, I, my next question is this. If it's not on there and it's calling to be on there, is there any... Do you, the auditor's office, are there any repercussions for that? Or is that, would that be come back on city council to say, hey, this was supposed to be honored and it wasn't? 
I am a firm believer that the repercussions that government officials should face are with their constituents. And when government operates best, it operates transparently and accountably. And if people in the city of Charleston want to see what's on that site, uh, what's in that fund, I, I, it, it, it wouldn't be hard to put on. Um, and we'd be happy to help them put it on. And if that's what people want to see, they need to demand that from their council yeah. people and from the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. Well, the Settle and Stallnaker report stated expressly that taxpayer money cannot be used for funerals or bereavement expenses, but Mayor Goodwin has chosen to pay for the funerals of Levi Phillips and her friend Charlie Jupiter and their private citizens, um, totally ignoring an ethics commission ruling in 2010 to be a violation. I understand that you are in the process of a, of a city audit, Um are you going to turn those violations over to the Ethics Commission? And if not, why? Um, so I can't really comment on that. But what I do know is is that the Ethics Commission has access to the exact same report that you do. That's the best I can say is, is that they are a reactive agency. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, if you find something. that's a, You're reading from, from the internet, correct? No. But the, their their audit is on our site. Every single audit that gets completed, whether it's my office or it's done by a private accounting firm, is found on the on the, the auditor's website. Well, here's so if you find an issue that is not brought up and it's it's an ethics violation, and you're, it doesn't matter who it is, and you find an ethics violation, do you do you turn that over? Do you do anything with it? What do you do? How do you handle that? How do we handle known ethics violations when we find them in our office? Or they, if, every single violation, be it legal or ethical, is reported to the correct authorities in real time. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, that does, actually. And that, that is not a specific comment. That is just right. how we right. operate. Right. How, how the no, office operates. Correct. Right. So it's not like you're going to sit on anything if you find. I don't sit on anything. I can vote for that. <laughs> It's not mine to sit on, right? I mean, I, I, I think the larger point there is is that I don't own any of this. Right. I don't own the data. I don't right. own access to the data. I don't own your tax dollars. Right. You own all that stuff. Not by you. I don't mean you, the two, the four people sitting here. I mean you, the everybody, mm-hmm. right? And that is the whole purpose of what we are doing is, is that if the media and the public knows what their government is doing, the government can't tell them fibs anymore. And we right. live in this world where no one trusts government. The, the biggest problem that we have in this country right now is that there is a complete breakdown of trust between the citizens and the government, and the, and to be fair, the citizens and the media. 100%. And it's all Absolutely. been caused by generations of intentional, um, in my opinion, this is a mm-hmm. much bigger federal problem than it is local, but the federal government operates with complete <laughs> impunity because no one knows what they're doing. And they make it impossible to figure it out. Right. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. And I think um, J- JB and I have these conversations often is the other JB, the one sitting over there, the one, the one um, who was a mayor. He He's was the candidate for mayor. Um, it, you're right. Government has let us down time and time again. We do not trust government, um, which is why this podcast was born. Um, and I, you know, sometimes I th- this week was hard because I feel like sometimes the more, you know, the heavier the burden gets and you're just like, why, how does this even happen? Remember, I'm doing this for 1500 government entities, including the state right. government too. And so, right. you know, it, there are days when my, when it's heavy. Um, but there's also days and, and this is what is really remarkable that I sit back and I sit, get a little closer to it. I, you know, I, I look back and I say, my God, those counties are doing this the right way. Or this city is doing so- – I mean, we mm-hmm. were just in Hinton the other day. And I left there as energized and motivated about the capacity for people to do good Yeah, as I've been in a long time. Right. Well, I think we see that too. We've, um, but people need to know those stories we've too. We've been watching Calhoun County very closely. Um, and, and You're the only ones. We have been watching Calhoun County very closely. And the citizens have taken their county back. They're working on it. They're working on it. They are demanding accountability and transparency. They have a spark has been lit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're showing up to meetings, and um, you're right. I mean, when you arm the citizens, right, with, with actual real data, 
yeah. right? And then they can have respectful conversations about real solutions instead of running into rooms and screaming about esoteric concepts that they don't actually that that no one could know. And that's mm -hmm. what you see in all of our federal elections, right? Mm -hmm. It's you didn't do this and they scream about these incredibly essentially end up being meaningless topics, right? Because no one actually knows what they did. But in in reality, they spent 3 trillion of our dollars last year and are zero accountable for it. Literally no one knows what they spent it on. Right. And so you do you know what confusion and uh, confusion causes anger? When people don't know why something's happening, it they makes get angry. them really mad. It's the and first it reaction. The trust that's and it's exactly a circle. Right. And I think in Calhoun County, you know, citizens are just finally beginning to be fed up. You know, there were 300 ambulance runs that weren't billed that were, you know, the paperwork was lost. So there's hundreds of thousands of dollars lost to the county. They they don't have more than they have one uh, sheriff's department vehicle that's used, uh, taken from some other uh, county. Um, the sheriff for a while was driving his own vehicle yeah. to, to make calls. We actually have two counties that are in that exact same position. And you know the ambulances were pulled off the road because you know they didn't have the proper equipment or the training. Yeah, and then you start to get to the question that you have to ask yourself is is when you can't afford to actually complete your constitutional duties. What's the next step, right? What, 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 what do you do when a county can't afford law enforcement? Well, like they had money, they just wouldn't appropriate appropriate it. They they have some money, but they have some pretty significant financial challenges there as well. Yeah, I mean that that is it, it is also true that Calhoun County is probably the poorest county in West Virginia now. Mm -hmm. I, I would have to go back and look, but my gut tells me that their county Close, has the least total revenue. Between that and revenue. McDowell, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, it would probably be between that and Clay at this point. Um, mm. I would say Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln's right there, too. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, it's just basically because government hasn't been doing its job yep. and, uh, you know, making it palatable for businesses to want to come there. Well, I think there's a, another side to that too, and that is is that Calhoun County was is insanely rural and wasn't focused on by any of the governments that are above it for a very very long time, and you know we play whack a mole with infrastructure. I mean, everybody deserves water, sewer, gas, internet, right? But we only ever end up spending any money on those things when there's a giant in, in, uh, investment, right? So, what was the first thing that happened when Nucor came? It, was, it wasn't a ribbon cutting. It was, oh, my God, how do we get them water, gas, and, and power? Mm -hmm. Right? In a, in, a, in a normal place, everywhere has that. Be there. And when you're playing whack-a-mole with infrastructure saying, oh, my God, I got to get it here, I got to get it here, guess who never gets it? Mm -hmm. Calhoun County's mold doesn't get whacked. Right. Well, guys, let's take a, take a quick break, and we'll come back for our next scoop. Cool. Scoop Squad Truth Squad is brought to you in part by T-Graphics on Charleston's west side. For 38 years, this Charleston-based business has provided in-house professional screen printing, commercial-grade heat transfers, very important to set us apart from the cricket world, and embroidery, promotional products, advertising, specialties, distribution, serving clients locally, regionally, and nationally. Superior service, quality goods, and on-time delivery. Call 304-345-4816 or go to tgraphics.com. That's T-E-E-graphics.com. And by Quinn Computers. With many of us working from home, connectivity is more important than ever. Let Quinn Computers in Spring Hill take care of all your computer challenges. Computer and laptop service, all brands. Network troubleshooting and repair. Wireless network, VPN installation and support. Security and firewall installation and support. Backup and recovery service, remote systems administration. www.quintechnology.com. That's www.quinntechnology.com. You're listening to the Scoop Squad Truth Squad. Brought to you in part by Quinn Computers in Spring Hill, and by Eggplant on Bridge Road. And we're back for our second scoop. And I'm going to hand it over to uh, J.B. Akers to talk to the other J.B. for a couple minutes. Yeah, before he has to run. You yeah. guys were talking about some city issues earlier, city of Charleston issues. And um, 
and I know you guys deal with tons of stuff, and I'm not just trying to, you know, put, put you in a microcosm, but obviously a lot of listeners here are interested in trolls and politics. It's one of the things I want to bring up. I understand that you guys have an investigation. You can't talk about specifics in terms of what you're looking at, but just in generalities, uh, the Suttle and Stalnecker report that Sarah referenced earlier, uh, if people have listened to prior podcasts, they may have heard us talk about this, but if anyone's new to this issue, so it's clear Suttle and Stalnecker is hired as a private accounting firm to do an audit, which I guess your all's office could do that if you if you wanted to initially, but generally speaking, they do that audit on an annual basis. Is that accurate? So it is really, really not uncommon for a big municipality or a county to right. hire out. So so we have we probably do, and I, I I'm going to get this number wrong, but my guess is is 75 percent of the state's audits are hired out through a bid process right. that and 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 Suttle and Stoniker is a is a reputable accounting firm, and they do a lot of work. Yeah. in this field. <clears throat> so the, the reason I brought that up is so people understand that this is the same firm that's been doing this city audits for the city of Charleston for, I mean, at a minimum, I mean, I'm going to say 10 years, probably a lot longer than that, but I mean, for a long time. And I've seen those reports for years. Some of them are online. <clears throat> when I used to work as a city clerk uh, here in Charleston, I'd see those reports every year when they came out. And, uh, you know, without casting stones or making accusations, Prior to this year's report from Suttle and Stoniker, I had never seen an independent audit report from that firm in which there were any negative findings other than them simply saying, hey, you guys have liabilities, which the city of Charleston has for years. That's, I'm not putting that in anybody. But the only negative finding, if you want to call it that, was, hey, here's your liabilities. Otherwise, everything else looks fine. The report I saw this year was the first one where I saw any deficiencies listed by Suttle and Stoniker besides saying this is how much money you're in debt. Um have you guys ever looked at prior reports? Can you tell me if you think I'm right or wrong on that, or do you even have a comment on that or not? Because that's that's my recollection, that that's the first one ever that's happened on. So we review the reports to ensure that accounting standards are being met. And the the report itself is spoken for by Suttle and Stoniker. So when we review those, we were reviewing to make sure that they they met all of the, the, the nationally approved accounting guidelines. They got it right. They at least did it right. It's right. not necessarily that they got it right. They did it right. It's that the process accounting is very different than law, right? Accounting is more is is so much more about process than it is about answer. It's about the procedure. Did you do the procedure correctly? And and I will take you at your word that this 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 one was different than the others. I will tell you that one of my great frustrations is that we don't have enough personnel to do more audits. And the reason is is because and this isn't I'm not casting aspersions on Suttle and Sonic or they're a great accounting firm is that when you're always doing it yourself, you don't have an incentive to ever say, oh, I missed something. Because then you're chastising yourself. That's just human nature. That isn't subtle and stalling or that. And so uh, this happens a lot. Big counties, school boards will end up with the same accounting firm winning the bid every year. And that makes sense financially, right? Because they already know where to go. They know what to do. They can do it faster, blah, 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 blah. But very frequently, in my opinion, they need to be broken up by an audit by us or somebody else. There needs to be somebody else with fresh eyes looking at these things because, like I said, human nature is always to say, I, I wouldn't have screwed that up. And if you're only ever looking at your own work, you, sure. it's, a perfect example would be it's really hard to proofread your own paper. Yeah, but to be clear, I, I wasn't implying at all that Suttle and Stonker made any mistakes. The, what the report said was that there were material deficiencies in the city's financial practices, and that's what I was saying it happened for the first time that I'd ever seen. And, so and it, I don't, it, it wasn't a criticism of Suttle and Stonecker. And to be fair, I don't really care whether it was the first time or the, the last time. All that matters for our office is that it would happen this time. We, we live in – our office lives in the now. And so we will take – we take every audit that we have and we review them for, to do the things that we do. And we, we offer them up to the public so you guys can yeah. see them. Okay, so you're – so, J.B., his – basically what he's – you're just looking at to make sure that Suttle and Stalnecker did the report right. Correct. Right? So that's really your only job. It's not to then dive in deeper to the procedures and I – mean, um, I, I will say that we review the reports to ensure that the accounting standards have been met and any review past that is something I, I don't – I'm not going to talk about with no, but their their office in the past. I can say this: your office in the past. If you have found that there's been financial wrongdoing as a result of an audit, you have referred that out, or you've you've, you've absolutely. You've, but our first duty is to try to fix it. And so the thing yeah. that we do with all, so we have a lot of governments that are quite frankly too small to even meet the the guidelines, right? I mean, there's right. the, you, there's all this delineation of duties that you have to do, and if you're a city that has three total employees, you literally can't do it. It's not possible. 
And so we spend a lot of time, we see ourselves as a partner to our local governments. And when there are financial problems, and some of them they need accounting software, sometimes they need just help or more training or whatever it is, we use these to try to make them better um, at what they're doing. Now, JB, were you talking, were you speaking like the, what, what is it called? The procedures and um, delineation of duties. No, or separation it was of another, duties. it was another term. The material deficiencies. Talking about, well, I was, I was thinking particularly of the temp situation. Well, that's one of the things I was going to lead into as well. And again, this is not, it's not because we're trying to set you guys up to answer a question. It's just to make sure that the people who listen to this understand Under, what, the, what the timeline on. is. So, one of the, the mayor's responses, which we discussed last time I was here, was she said that the deficiencies in this most recent audit by Sutton Stonaker were as a result were a result of financial problems from the prior administration, which hasn't been in office now for we're going on, on more than four years. We're in the fifth year since the last mayor was in office. Uh, you can I think you can answer this question without saying what your findings are, what your investigation is showing. Uh, you've been the auditor since 2016, is that right? So you've been an auditor for seven years for the whole state. Has your office ever had to, prior to this, perform an independent audit of the city of Charleston before this year? Not while I was the auditor. Okay. And that doesn't imply that anyone's anything wrong. It's just the fact that your your office has never had to look at the city of Charleston's financial information beyond what you're given by Sutton and Stonaker after they do the report. Well, it's actually more that we were never asked to. And so we are the receiver of reports. Okay. And so we then have a duty when we receive a report that's credible, you know, incredible means what it means. I mean, we, we, we look at things all the time that don't exist at all, right? I mean, we, we spend more time looking at, at issues that aren't real as we do, yeah, um, as we do real ones, right? It's, so that's the, the hardest part of the job is, is taking a, a reasonable amount of time to determine what needs more time to be looked at. But, yeah, I mean, the answer to your question is, is this is the first time in my yeah. in my. Here. Yes. So when the current mayor said that these financial issues related back to problems from the prior administration, even though these these reports or these audits are done annually, correct? Yes, they're so, supposed to be. Yeah. So even though she says that this result relates back to uh, financial issues from now five years ago or more or more, um, you uh, you've, you your office has never never had to perform an independent investigation or analysis of Danny Jones's financial. We were never asked to. Okay. So here's my question. How do people get an audit? I mean, do they how how do they just call you up and say, Hey, like I need you to, to perform an audit for the city of Huntington? I mean, how or do they have to have some kind of credible belief that there's an issue? Well, there's an audit done every year. Right. And it and so that is done per code. Right. Like every every and to they don't all. I mean, we have probably a hundred cities that haven't been audited in five years. Because we don't have enough accountants, we don't have enough staff, they don't have enough money. It's actually kind of a huge problem. And some other time I'll tell you about sort of some of our cool solutions for that. But if if somebody believes there's wrongdoing, we have a receiver of reports duty, which is what I was talking about with JB. And so we get, I mean, God, do we get 50 fraud tips a week? Uh, I wouldn't say maybe that much. But 50 we, a month yeah, at, least. at least. And then we had, tell them how many investigations we have. Yeah, so we have 90 fraud, felony fraud investigations happening right now in West Virginia. They're all over the place, right? And we've already finished 44 of them. I mean, we have 44 felony convictions for fraud just since I started because we created the fraud unit. And so we spend as much time weeding through what is political bullcrap and what is real. And so because we have to receive them all, but we only have – we have to receive them all. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, the credibility is we, – we err on the side of credible. Let's just leave it at that. It's easier for us to, to look deeper into things as, as opposed to not. Rules and engagement. That's what I was thinking of, that term. Yeah. It's different than a, like a financial statement audit. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, that's a scope issue. That's a scope of what, what we're mean? looking at. So the audit that happens every year is, is an audit to determine – essentially, that all of the rules were followed and that all of the procedures are designed to prevent other rules from being broken. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very low-level, simple understanding of what that audit is. It doesn't really delve that deeply into many of the financial accounts. Well, let's say hypothetically that while you're doing your audit, you find something else. Can you open it up into something else? Yes. All right. And Uh, do. But I will say that almost all of our investigations start with tips. 
Before we end this scoop, <coughs> I want Skylar to give the website. Let's do it. So that people can look at their county or city and Check see what they're looking at. Yeah, their, their checkbook and yeah, see what's course. going so on. Really, the way this whole thing started uh, was when he first got hired, or when he first got elected, excuse me, when I first got hired, um, we were starting what's called WV Checkbook. And that is the statewide transparency portal that we've created for the state of West Virginia. And through that, folks can access their individual municipality or county to be able to see how their tax, how their taxpayer dollars are being spent by their elected officials. So I, I direct the day-to-day activities of that and, and management of that. Um, and we do a lot of other oversight functions on that. Um, we have a pharmaceutical manufacturer's transparency that we do. And there was a bill written a couple years ago for us to collect all of the all the manufacturers of pharmaceutical drugs in the entire state and how, why that, why that price costs what it is um, and how much money they are raising to be able to put that stuff to market. And people want to know why their drug, why their drug price is increasing. Well, we give them a window into what the manufacturers are spending money on. So that's a, that's a good thing. And, uh, another quick thing is police seizures and forfeitures, civil asset forfeitures. So every seizure that's done by police around the state, uh, we collect that data as well so folks can see what's being seized and forfeited. Um, and then we have K-12 through education spending. Um, and that's that's hu- really huge, too, because that's the biggest portion of the state budget goes to education. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with that money being allocated to, to, to education, it's really important for folks to know county by county how that money is being spent. So if you don't like what your county school board's doing, you can go hold them accountable by going to wvcheckbook.gov. Uh, and being able to go through all those different reports that we issue. And they can put in WV Checkbook in the search bar. Yeah, it comes right up. It comes right up. And and the the last thing, and this is new this year, which is really, really cool, is the West Virginia Budget Book. And so we are the only state in the entire country where you can look at the entire state budget broken down by line item in a searchable and clickable site, and you can see every agency and back six years. So you can go back and see – how much they were appropriated in, in, I guess, 2017 would be the first year, and where that line item is gone and how much they got appropriated this year. So you can see the total budget, and you can also see every agency and every sub-agency and every line item that's in the budget. Did they do with, did they do with their appropriation what they were expecting to do, and if they didn't, why? And that's a good way for the legislature to hold each agency accountable. To and this is the beginning of, uh, you know, for me, what I like to call results-based budgeting which is what every good company does. It's what no government in the country does. And that is where you compare what you were asked to do with what you did with what it cost. Well, I want to take a, a small little sidebar. You have a daughter named Claire. No, I have a Cam and a Maddie. Maybe it's Maddie because I have a Maddie. My daughter's name is Madeline Claire. Oh. Yeah. You take, is it Maddie that you take for donuts every Thursday? Yes. Well, whenever I'm, whenever time permits, we will be going tomorrow, I believe. Yes, I love that. Where did you get them? Uh, well, now we get him at Duncan because it's okay. on the way to yeah. the Bible Center. But I love the fact that he posts pictures every Thursday in the car eating donuts. I love it. I, it's my new Thursday the thing. The blueberry cake donut is the best from Duncan. She likes the chocolate right. covered. Uh, and we're t- we're going to come back. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes. See you, buddy. See you, ma'am. Brought to you in part by Quinn Computers. With many of us working from home, connectivity is more important than ever. Let Quinn Computers in Spring Hill take care of all your computer challenges. Computer and laptop services, all brands. Network troubleshooting and repair. Wireless network VPN installation and support. Security and firewall installation and support. Backup and recovery service remote system administration and more at quinntechnology.com. If you would like to tie your business with this popular podcast, you can contact me. Ron Hughes to advertise at ron.hughes, R-O-N dot H-U-G-H-E-S at wvradio.com or you could call me at 304-342-8131. You're listening to the Scoop Squad Truth Squad, brought to you in part by Quinn Computers in Spring Hill and by Eggplant on Bridge Road. All right, guys, for our third scoop, what are they good? Our third scoop, we have Tristan leave it with us. Love it. I'm sorry. I, I say I always do it, leave it when I see your name pop up on my Facebook. This reminds me of fourth grade when my mom convinced me it was a good idea to run for student something, and I did little leaves, leave it to leave it. It was not Can a good, I- it was not a good idea. You In case that? you're curious, the Beavis and Butthead uh, stickers won instead of my leave it to leave it. I love leave it to leave it, but his wife is a baker. Mm-hmm. And she has a cookie company called Nellie's Cookie 
kitchen. Nellie's cookie jar. Cookie jar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nellie's cookie jar. And Sarah doesn't have a mouthful of cookies. I don't but have a mouthful. This is of Ashley, cookies. and I do. And I have to say, um, this is. I like my family likes to say that I make the best chocolate chip cookies, but this is pretty darn Can good. You save me one. Yes, there's a bunch of them over there. But I'm gonna oh, wow. say that I visited recently a crumble cookie in. I don't remember where it was, but I was not impressed. They're dry. This is so much better than crumble cookie. I mean, I, yeah. So I, anyway. She's good. Everybody's she all makes a meme cookie. hyped up about crumble cookie, but I'm like, Nellie's cookie jar. Wow. Yeah, well. <clears throat> all right, Tristan. You're widely respected for your unrivaled knowledge of the federal whistleblower protection process. And you have over a decade of experience investigating waste, fraud, abuse, and cronyism in the federal government. You began your investigative career working in the Senate Judiciary Committee staff of Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, where you helped whistleblowers expose schemes like Operation Fast and Furious. You introduced the first Senate resolutions recognizing National Whistleblower Appreciation Day, which I don't know that I would ever come out and say I was a whistleblower. That's just me. I would take the money and run. And you established uh, the Senate Whistleblower Protection Caucus. And then from there, you joined the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee staff of Chairman Jason Chaffez from Utah. Yeah, Chaffetz. Chaffetz. I was, I don't know. It's all good. And then you were appointed as special deputy counsel, special counsel, at the Office of Special Counsel in 2017. And in eight, 2018, you were appointed general counsel of the Merit Systems Protection Board. And for three years, you served as the acting head of that agency. And in 2022, the U.S. Senate confirmed you with bipartisan support as bipartisan. That's very important. I want to point that out. As the Republican member of the board, a position you held for one year, and then you wrapped up your federal government career. And now, and now you're running for house. I am so excited to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, you've been on the show before, and we appreciate you coming back. And we 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 love the fact that you're running for a house seat. Um, Chris you. Pritt is running for Secretary of State, right? That's right, right, Ron, Secretary of Whatever. State. <laughs> um, but I think what we what we are more interested in, we just had JB McCuskey in here, um, who's the state auditor, and we've been talking about transparency in government. And accountability. And um, you, in addition to running for house, you have started a new job. Yes, I have a day job. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So Empower Oversight is the name of it. Um, the website is E-M-P-O-W-R. So Empower with that's E dot U-S. And it is a nonprofit. Um, it was originally formed by my manager, former uh, co-worker in Senator Grassley's office. So we did the Operation Fast and Furious investigation together. Um, when I went over to Chaffetz's staff, he eventually led Senator Grassley's um, investigations of all of the uh, you know, issues surrounding Russia and allegations about the Steele dossier. So he is a very experienced investigator. So this nonprofit was created to help continue to hold government accountable. And so that's what we do right now. We are working with a number of different whistleblowers. Uh, several of them are uh, former agents from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Um, they are going to be uh, a couple of them highlighted in a hearing uh, likely at the end of this month in front of the Weaponization Subcommittee of the House Judiciary Committee. Mm -hmm. And they have raised just some really troubling allegations about how the FBI has been operating you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah, and you and I were at a meeting recently together, and you gave an update, a congressional update, right? Is that something you can talk about now, about what's going on with the um, oversight and accountability yeah, on the federal level? Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, the last time I was on the podcast, you recall we talked about there's a lot of different places that are doing investigations. You have inspector general offices. There's a lot of places that, that are doing investigations. But in terms of the uh, investigations that are being done by – House Republicans generally in the new majority in this Congress. Um, there are kind of three three different ones that I highlighted. One of those is investigations into the Biden family. That's something that the House Oversight Committee is doing um, under Chairman Jamie Comer. And they are looking at uh, payments that went to Hunter Biden and others. Um, just the other week, they highlighted payments from a Chinese energy company um, that went to various members of the Biden family. So that's, that's kind of the place where those are mostly happening. The other set of things that I highlighted was 
kind of the the weaponization, if you will. I think I just talked broadly about what the weaponization subcommittee is doing. And so they have had hearings on, they had an initial hearing with Senator Grassley was there, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Um, and they highlighted in that hearing kind of the, the scope of the committee's work. They've mm-hmm. also had since then a hearing on the Twitter files mm-hmm. and just really some of the troubling things that happened there at Twitter. And so that's been kind of the thrust of their work is just looking at various ways that the government you know, that, that certain narratives have been just allowed to proliferate within the federal government and how those have impacted the operations of the government. Right. And I think it's super, um, I think government just pretty much operates the same way, whether it's federal or city or county. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I'm just kind of yeah, they're, figuring they're that out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> Human empa- nature is the same everywhere, Ashley. So in power, um, it's more, it's still federal. You're still, it's still federal, right? It's, fo- yeah, it's focused yeah, generally on federal, the federal government. We, okay. could, we could do some other things outside of that scope if we want to do, but that's really the focus of the entity. Mm-hmm. And still, um, you know, whistleblowers. And I guess the thing that I wanted to ask you about as it relates to Charleston and mm-hmm. our city and our state, <clears throat> because we have discovered or we, there is proof of malfeasance and, and um, I don't know that we would call it corruption just yet, but on the surface... Within the within the state police, I'm not so sure you couldn't well, call some of that. You're exactly corruption. right. You're exactly right. And I mean, it gets even it hits even closer to home because, um, you know, Ron and I, as as executive producers of this podcast, um, have a lot of anonymous tippers um, that send us a plethora of information. God bless um, sources, and you they know, get but you information. <laughs> They're they're afraid to to speak out. Um, You know, I got a a text this week from someone um, talking about CPD and and um, saying that the thin blue line is a funny thing and cops talk to each other. Nobody wants to come forward because of the backlash. Yeah, that's that's common. I mean, but how? And and I, I guess I, I was talking to JB McCuskey earlier and about this. I feel like this week has been kind of a heavy week, and it's been kind of a heavy couple weeks because we are getting information from people. Once you put yourself out there and you become a platform for information, disseminating information, people contact you and want you to put the information out there. Yep. And um, you know, like I said, the more that you know, sometimes the heavier it gets, and you're just like, holy cow! I feel like everybody's in this together. You know, what, what is a regular person to do? And if, if, if police, you know, or state, you know, whether it's state police or city police or county, if people are afraid in that, within that system to talk, how, how do you, how, how do you encourage someone to do that? Well, I think you also can become a victim of your own success to some extent because if people see you successfully handle one of those issues and they want you to solve every problem that's out there as well. And not that any problem isn't important, but there's some stuff that you just can't, you can't fix. Yeah, uh, so that's then, true. Yeah. So then you probably, it's on some level, you like, um, you have to decide what you're going to take on and what you're not. Well, I think a really important element for any, I would probably say any authority structure, certainly for government, right? City, mm-hmm. county, state, federal, is you have to have accountability mechanisms. Because if you don't have mechanisms, then encourage you know encouraging someone to right. so, so run out and do this. How about some? Tell us some mechanisms. That sure. Need so to be in place. so for instance, um, maybe going back to the state police. Right there, there is an inspector general that I guess has done some elements of an investigation. Inspector generals have to be independent. Right. If you want if you want something to be credible, you want people to. You know, you want it to get to the bottom of things. They have to be independent from the agencies that they're supposed to oversee. And so things like inspectors general provide an important function because they give people a place to go. If you don't have something like that, then not only, you know, it's a, it's a fair question to say, who are you going to tell? And I think it's legitimate for people to be afraid because there can be real life consequences. Mm-hmm. And working with whistleblowers on the Hill, we would tell them all the time, there's not a, there are laws in place that protect whistleblowers. I don't want to say in theory, right? But being a whistleblower is not—you don't get a magic well, shield or a special that, umbrella. Right. Those are those are rights that you try and vindicate after the fact if something bad happens to you. Ideally, nothing bad happens to you, but so you got to be smart about it. 
But so again, on any level, having places to go, the auditor's office here, as JB talked about, they they receive a lot of tips and having those independent, credible places to go that can Mm -hmm. investigate. But there are entities that don't have anyone looking over their shoulder. And that inevitably breeds at least, Mm -hmm. you know, slothfulness, if not, you know, opening Mm -hmm. itself to malfeasance. If you don't mind, let me ask you a quick question. So one of the things with regard to the state police investigation uh, that had to be legislatively fixed this year was the, uh, I guess really you would call it the discovery. I mean, it was in plain sight, but it was an issue no one really knew existed until this controversy occurred. And that was that there was no real way for anyone to go in independently and investigate the state police and then provide any sort of enforcement mechanism. Someone could theoretically investigate them, but the question then was who was going to do it. The inspector general's office really wasn't equipped to handle that type of uh, situation. They did probably the best they could. But the bigger problem, there was no one to enforce any violations that they found. So legislatively, that had to be fixed this year, which was a retroactive fix, uh, because you had an issue. For example, uh, I heard, I mean, I believe this happened. Um, there were requests, for example, to the state police for information that were made by the inspector general's office. And the state police, I was told, didn't provide the information at all times when they were asked for it. The state police are an executive branch agency. So if the governor's office or some other governor's office or uh, governor's uh, executive branch agency says, give us your information, the state police should say, well, here it is. But the state police essentially consider the inspector general's office, it appears to be a peer organization. In other words, we're not going to give it to you. We're the state police. And until the governor ordered them to turn it over, they apparently didn't. So that was one of the things that it fixed right. legislati- legislatively. So, so uh, Tristan, yeah. have, you, have you seen other issues like that? You're running for House of Delegates now. And went through your first session, right? Right. So you, you understand these issues well from your background. You obviously probably have some proactive solutions to problems we, we may not know exist. So have you seen other issues like that uh, leading up to your announcement that you're going to run for House of Delegates? And, and what are some fixes you think we may need here? It's an excellent question. I, I Every agency needs an inspector general and being able to have them provide that kind of independent oversight. In this case, at least you had that backstop at the end of the day, right? If if there's not a legislative or a statutory solution there, right, then the governor, you need a governor that's willing to say, we need to dig into this. But you run into problems all the time if a governor, you know, is not willing to do something about it. And so, you know, again, ensuring that across the board, I think, is really, really important. Um you know, mechanisms like that, and that applies at the state level, for instance, at the county level and city level, JB has talked about how, you know, there are a lot of counties and cities that have signed up for West Virginia checkbook. However, they are not required to, right? They do so and voluntarily. And they can decide what they put on there. That's right. So I I would love to sponsor a bill to have, to require that every county and every city participate in that and that they put their information out there because yeah, transparency. Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't do want to do that. Well, especially like, if you campaign on transparency back in Right. I mean, I, and then, <laughs> and I understand what JB McCuskey was saying about you don't want to force, you know, you don't want them to be in the program like reluctantly but i think since you're in charge of taxpayer dollars you really shouldn't have a choice yeah that's I mean, my that, opinion it's, in a it's it's a little bit of a like political will element right if you had the legislature pass something right. then the elected representatives of the people and have they're going right? to know they're going to be accountable that's right. right and so you know it, sh- it, it it shouldn't necessarily have to be one person's call i think it's fair to say the legislature if they want something like that can pass something like that but and i don't think it's taken away local control at all. I think you're just putting your you're, finances. You're putting, you're, in that one, you're putting more local control in the hands of the, of the, the, people. the people who are who are electing these people in the office. Because this is what's so Absolutely. frustrating. Because I, honestly, I'm going to say it. I think unions should go. I think lobbying should be illegal. And Good luck. I really do. I, because I, as a person, as a taxpaying citizen in this state, in this city, I feel like our we are not being represented. We're just not. And if if putting if if requiring city municipalities to put their checkbooks online gives us the people more a little bit more sleep at night and able to feel good about where our tax dollars are going, then that's a good thing. Like I'm sorry, you're an elected official. You don't have a choice. You answer to me. Yes. So your finances go online. Yes. No. 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 <clears throat> public entity should be required to do that. They should just all want to do they it. They just should all want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then they should just vote you out. But well, anyway. in, in some instances, you, you know, you can't vote. You don't, you don't always, right. again, it's in within the state, right? right. You don't always mm-hmm. have, you know, agency heads are not 
elected, right? They're appointed. And so it's important to identify people that care about those issues as well, because that is really what fills the gaps mm-hmm. where they exist and says, you know what, there's an issue here. We need to get changes in place. In so order are to- you saying that not every state agency has an IG? I'm not familiar one way okay. or the other, okay. but it wouldn't surprise me if the state police, again, if there wasn't this authority to ensure that they provided it, because again, until you have an incident happen, right? There's not, you know, there's not a giant code book of like here's the model right. state government, right? Or here's the model legislative code, right? You, you address right. things as they happen. But again, time and again, you see that there are there are, when there are issues in mm-hmm. state government or any government, if you don't have people that can investigate and propose solutions, now most inspectors general can't take the action, right? Part of the right. independence is part of the idea. Inspectors general actually came from. The, the concept is an old French one from the French military. So they wanted to have people to go and inspect the readiness of the army. So they're not in the military chain of command, but they would provide unfiltered advice to the commander. So that's the role that they play. Mm-hmm. So to have them in place, you need them to have the ability to dig in and get all the information, but they still have to give it to a decision maker who can sift through and right. say, this makes sense. This makes sense. Here's the accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I talked about enforcement, I didn't mean that the IG was going to prosecuting with the state police, but they didn't even have a mechanism in place that they could mandate that the state police give them the information they were asking for. The governor had to eventually order that right. to happen, right. which mm-hmm. was ridiculous. That's Absolutely. That is ridiculous. Absolutely. And well, that- you know, I like you. Yeah, you're really smart. <laughs> you all are great. Well, I just feel like, I, I just feel like you have such a resume um, and such experience and in transparency and in how it can happen. Um, and I think we need more of that in West Virginia. Well, if it makes you feel any better, everywhere needs more of it. Yeah. It's, yeah. But I, I, you know, I live here. And yeah. so, um, we care about here. and I, I care well, about and I'm here. There, I'm there with you. And, and again, if, yeah. for government to be able to provide, you know, we pay our tax dollars, government's there to represent us. If it's mm-hmm. going to provide the services that we need, you have to, you have to do oversight. You have to make sure that they're held accountable. So I'd like to send people to, to the website. Can you, to, can you say what your day job is again? Yeah. Okay. It's empower oversight. Mm-hmm. So again, it's E M P O W R without the E dot U S. And the URL why would someone go there? Uh, it's a place to learn about some of the different things that we are working on. So there's there's quite a few different projects. It's also a place someone can go if they have information and they want to share that information. And again, we aren't doing anything right now looking at any local levels. Um, but, you know, there, again, that's, it's a place, you know, when information comes, you right. do you do the best well, you can with it, right? Site, and it is very informational and intriguing. And, and I would encourage everybody to do that. Are so, you guys, before we go, are you guys doing anything or oh, don't tell me that you can't tell me, but uh, would you all, or have you looked at anything you could tell us about with regard to any of the recent, uh, like the American Recovery uh, Act funds or program funds, for example, have you guys gotten any, any complaints on those? Yeah, was, Senator Tarr has been very outspoken about the governor's use of the ARP funds and that's right, and the transparency there. And we, we haven't had any whistleblowers on that. So there's an element of it. I mean, you can, uh, to do... Do you have to have a whistleblower to do it? We don't by any means. And I'm trying to think of a short way to say mm-hmm. this, right? There, there, There's everything under the sun one could investigate, right? right? But as we all know, it's easier when someone tells you this is the place to look, right? And so our experience this is part, part of why we are a very pro-whistleblower organization. You know, Congress has the responsibility for the whole federal government. The legislature here can do oversight. But it's easier if someone says, here's a problem, start right. and look here. Right, start to it's always give a starting easier. point. And we want to make sure that they're protected. We want to make sure right. that other people down the line say, don't say, you know, when Johnny and Susie did that, they, they, you know, had were taken out of the woodshed, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to let that happen to me. Right. Well, I would say, I'm, hashtag leave it to love it. I like it. Can we For house. Shout out to a couple people? That's not his current hashtag, though. He, he, I know. Yeah. Sorry. What is your current hashtag? <laughs> love it for West Virginia. Love, love it, it for, for WV. WV. That's our website, okay. loveitforwv.com. There is a hashtag. But All right. My mom is actually sitting right here by me, and Hi, I'm, I'm sure she'd be happy if <laughs> leave it to love it came back. <laughs> for, all the way from Idaho, right? Mom? Did you did you think of Leave It to Love It for him? Yes. She probably doesn't remember because she has <laughs> six other children right. and it's been a spot I did, of time. But I have <laughs> hey, I it, it it's it it's catchy. It. It's great, mom. We all moms have the best ideas. Really <laughs> Didn't really right. help me in 4th grade, but Well, the 4th graders don't get it. <laughs> But, but you were, we're adults no, the, now. The, the more base the jokes on fourth grade, the better it works. So. <laughs> You're at a higher level now. 
Well, thank you for coming on again. Thank and you I'm, for having me. Like, Always happy to be here. And the next time I'm going to devote an entire show to you because I just think you have a wealth of information and knowledge um, that I just like to tap into. And so I'm going to give one more shout out to Nellie's Cookie Jar because those were really yummy. Does she have a Facebook page or a website? Yeah, she has both. So hers is, is Nellie's Cookie Jar.com. It's okay. N E L L I E S Cookie Jar.com. Get you some chocolate chip cookies. Who do we want to shout out? I have a friend named okay. Jared, who is an avid listener. Oh, hey, Jared. And he listens to all of our podcasts. Oh, he loves it. We appreciate you. I, mean, I know. Thank you. Yeah, Ron. Hey, you guys, go follow us. Find us, uh, Scoop Squad, Truth Squad, on um, your favorite podcast platform. Um, subscribe. And, and, and share. Share the heck Share, out. share, share, share. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Sharing is caring. Right. Something else my That's mom probably taught me. good hashtag. And caring is uh, buying advertising on the show to help <laughs> our... Uh, you know, help our goals. Help our transparency. Um, We're going to have to have a, a, a drive like they do on NPR. A fun drive. All right, this is going downhill, so I'm going to wrap it up. Um, thank you, Tristan, JB, as always, Sarah, the Ron. Have a great week. Yeah. See you next. He, you'll hear us next week. I always say that. You're not going to see me. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much. Rebroadcast, retransmission, or transcription is not permissible without the expressed approval of Scoop Squad Truth Squad. Copyright 2023.